0: hello and welcome to the filmpulse.net podcast this is episode number 113 my name is adam with me today we have kevin how the hell are you kevin uh not too bad happy easter sure <laughs> You got big plans? I don't know. Why do people keep asking me this? Yeah, I'm not doing anything I either. How,
1: I don't know. I didn't even know Easter was a holiday.
0: If the if the grocery store's open, I think I'm going to go grocery shopping. That's my big plan. There you go.
1: I, yeah, I don't know how many people I've had to ask me.
0: What are you doing for Easter?
1: And it's like, when have I ever celebrated Easter?
0: <laughs> uh, this week we'll be going over some of what we've been watching before getting into two feature reviews. This week, we'll be talking about the festival film Broken Hill Blues, which just screened at Tribeca. And then we'll be talking about Zack Parker's Proxy, which hits theaters uh, and video on demand this weekend. And finally, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions and DVD and Blu-ray releases. All right, let's get into some of what we've been watching. Uh, I saw Enemy. I know you saw this last week. Saw it this week. Uh, This is one of these movies that, after... My initial viewing, mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. Okay. The okay. longer I sat with it, the more I liked it cuz I started picking it apart and realizing just how fucking crazy this movie is and just how layered it is and how many little clues they give you throughout the movie and it's just it's just so expertly crafted. I love it. it. Is. And I love the the look the cinematography, <clears throat> fucking awesome. I love the, just the, oh, yeah. the, the um, color yeah. palette in this movie. Yes. It looks diseased. I think I like the music a lot, too. I didn't write that in my notes, but I seem to remember really being impressed with the music. It had this kind of, almost like a Hitchcock feel to it. Yeah, it's sort of got that menacing mm-hmm. vibe to it. Very suspenseful, but uh, I I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. I am now a huge
1: fan of uh, Nicholas Bolduck, who did the cinematography. He also did the cinematography for uh, War Witch.
0: Yeah, and that that movie looked great too. I just yeah
1: oh man, everything is just so beautiful looking, even though that it's very disturbing.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, and I don't want to give anything about the plot away because it's really important that you you know nothing about this movie. Well, that's what I loved about it. It's just sort of it just
1: dropped you in. Yeah, it just it just got started. And, I mean, it's been a while since my eyes have been glued Yeah, to the screen. Like, I just, I couldn't, I didn't want to stop.
0: And the, the thing about it that impressed me the most, I think, was Jake Gyllenhaal's performance. Now, I like Jake Gyllenhaal. I, I like most of the things that he's in. I think he's a great actor. But I feel like this role for him just was incredible. I mean, to me, that th- this should be an Oscar-worthy Role and I don't think he'll get nominated no, for it or anything. But it, the thing that impressed me the most was the the subtle differences between the two roles that the two characters that he played. It was yeah, almost he, it, he essentially gets to play
1: two different roles because they're essentially complete opposites.
0: But they but just the his mannerisms and things like that. There was just these subtle differences between those two characters. And I thought that he did that so well, especially with uh, the Adam character and how he would just how he would talk like his his mannerisms were similar. But the way that he would talk, he was much uh, he seemed much more nervous and kind of frantic and he would like stutter a lot. Yeah,
1: he's a lot more apprehensive than the than the other the other character, the doppelganger, who was
0: just like almost almost overly confident and arrogant, yeah, exactly, and i I would highly recommend checking this out I me too. I just
1: you're you're going along and you think you know you pretty much have it figured out, you're following it, you're like, all right, I know where this is going, I know what's going on here, and then he'll just throw in some ridiculous some bizarre imagery, yeah, and you're just like, oh what, what?"
0: And I loved it. I thought it was it was great. There's a there's a really great video online on YouTube that explains the whole movie, or at least that that person's theory. Yeah. And I would I would recommend checking that out. I can't remember the name of it actually. I got a.
1: I wanted I forgot to do that. I wanted to write down mine because I knew that we, we we me and you wouldn't be really getting into right because you don't want to give away or anything. But I wanted to do that and send it to you and see what you thought. Maybe we'll talk about it some other time.
0: We talked about it a little bit Ooh. off the air. But...
1: maybe maybe we'll talk about it like towards the end of the year. Rewatch it. Yeah. Discuss it. Yeah.
0: But yeah, definitely recommend checking that out. I believe it it may still be in theaters in some areas, but it's also if you have direct T V you can get it on demand. Oh. So, yeah. Check Jeez. Check that out. Enemy. My first movie was Joe. Joe. David Gordon Green's Joe.
1: Joe. Jowed up? I jowed it up all over the place, and (laughs) sounds kind of dirty. It does, doesn't it? You think about it a little bit. Uh, This, I mean, a lot of people were saying that this is like his return to form and everything, so I was pretty excited. Plus, you got Nick Cage in there, and I have to say, it is not like a return to form at all. This movie is unbelievably uneven, tonal issues throughout. Just it would be. he would try and go for that like uber serious emotional depth and then turn around and just do like campy humor that just didn't work for me. I yes, I liked d- both of them. I liked both of them separately, but I didn't like them together. Mm. You know what I mean?
0: Uh yeah. Yeah, I mean I can see that. I it, the humor worked for me. Like I I I liked it. Of course, the other thing is that I saw this at South by Southwest with you Know Nicolas Cage and David Gordon Green there in the audience, and I'm it was a festival atmosphere, so I'm sure that,
1: yeah, you know, I, I, I'm happy that he's sort of toned down the whole Malik structure that some of his films used to take, where you know it'd be like small scene, then a shot of nature, then small scenes, shot of nature, shot of royal decay, small scene. He, he seems to have gotten away from that, which. Mm-hmm makes me very, very happy because I'm sick and tired of that. But Cage. Nick Cage. I mean, I love the guy, but he's ridiculous. I loved him in this I mean, I just want someone to make a movie where they just let him go. Just let him be crazy Nick Cage. Because that was that was my problem. Is he would do the crazy Nick Cage scenes, you know, with my favorite being BAM like a fistful of dollars. Which made no fucking sense at all. And then (laughs) him like trying to show Ty Sheridan how to make a cool face. You know, those types of things are great because it's Nick Cage. But then when you immediately turn around and try and make me like try and feel some like emotional weight involving Nick Cage, it just comes off as hilarious. Like I can't take the guy seriously when he's being crazy Nick Cage in the movie. I can't do it.
0: Then, I, I didn't. I thought he was more subdued in this, though. I know, but ben. even subdued
1: Nick Cage is still pretty crazy, Nick Cage. You gotta admit. I mean, yeah. did you see his orgasm in this movie? Even his <laughs> orgasm is crazy. Oh, uh, yeah. It was awesome. Because it's just like, what's your favorite color? Red? Blow me. <laughs> just, what, the, what the fuck? Why is that scene even in there?
0: Yeah, he does. he does go off the rails a few times, which I actually... I liked, I wanted to see that. I do like,
1: I do like. It's just, I want that. But at the same time, it's hard for me to take him seriously when you try and, you know, steer the ship back into serious emotional waters with the rest of the film. It's just, it's hard for me to go that way because I'm still laughing from him saying, bam, like a fistful of dollars for no reason whatsoever.
0: (laughs) And now, uh, there there were... There was one question I had for you. You weren't a big fan of Mud, either. No. If I remember correctly. No, I didn't. And this, like this is... Mud. this. I mean, everybody's comparing this to Mud, with good reason. This is very similar mm-hmm. to Mud. Which one did you like more? Uh, whew, that's a tough one. I'd say they're like pretty much equal. I give the advantage to Joe. I had, I had a better time with, with I, Joe. Yeah, I definitely had a better
1: time with Joe. But uh, the acting... And Mud was a little bit better. Mostly because of, what was that kid's name? Neckbone.
0: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: I like Neckbone. Jacob Laughlin, I think his name was. Oh, I, I think was,
0: Ty Sheridan does a alright job. I know, but now I'm worried that he's going to get stuck. Well, when you look at
1: his last three <laughs> yeah. movies, yeah, I'd say he's stuck. <laughs> I'm just, uh, and then the, uh, the thing that really got me is, number one, you have Ronnie Gene Blevins with his whole, I've been through a windshield and I just don't give a fuck. Like, he just keeps saying it over and over again. It just becomes farcical and ridiculous. And then after he has his sort of scene there at the end, then they go into, like, really, really sappy territory with the piano music playing and, like, Ty Sheridan hugging Cage and then, you know, slow motion shots of birds flying and Ty Sheridan getting his new job where he plants little seedlings... It's just like give me a fucking break. Yeah, it didn't
0: bother me. I wasn't bothered I, by that at all. Now the one,
1: there, see, the one thing I will say is uh, Gary Poulter, the the homeless man that played Ty Sheridan's dad in this movie, G Dog. That guy was fucking
0: unbelievable. He was amazing, and he I, is I think, amazing. I think I did. I think I mentioned in my review that I thought that he was the best part of this movie. <laughs> what you drinking?
1: Yeah. <laughs> The fact, is, I, I mean, he's he's and then out of nowhere he just starts popping and locking. Yeah. While sitting on the ground, it's completely G-dog. drunk, Gido popping and locking, drunk, and he was actually pretty fucking good for being drunk and sitting on the ground and being like and an 60, old man. Yeah, being like an 60, old white man, being like sixty some years old. It's just unfortunate that he like passed away like what like a couple of weeks after they stopped shooting or or finished off shooting. Yeah. Maybe it, maybe well, it hit a bit. Too close to home for
0: him. I don't know, but he was great. He was great. He nailed it. Are you looking at?
1: He nailed it, dude. It's it's sort of sad when you have a homeless man who's never acted before outshines every single person in the film. It mm, yeah. goes to show you how fucking easy it is to act.
0: Well, and also, could've, it could have been like, well, I don't know. I was going to say maybe it was just how, how David Gordon Green directed him. I mean, Could I think been. that I think a lot of that goes to the direct the credit of the director.
1: I do enjoy how he does that, you know, sort of has that mixture of local. Oh, yeah. Local I thought that, that was
0: great because because I really liked the whole work crew. Mm-hmm. Like the work Cage. crew was awesome. I, I liked all the stuff, like the little, you know, banter that they would have the conversations that they'd have back and forth. And yeah, I liked all that. It's enjoyable.
1: I mean, you have a fun time with it,
0: but as like a serious film. It's not good
1: but it's fun. I
0: I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. I mean, I didn't think it was amazing or anything, but I thought it was a good watch if you're a fan of David Gordon Green. And see, I like these kinds of movies. I like the look of these movies, so it's almost like a guilty pleasure for me at this point.
1: It is one of your guilty pleasure genres, Mm -hmm.
0: that world decay. Yep, I I love it. (laughs) I love it. I don't know why.
1: Totally into it, though.
0: Uh, let's see. I saw, so what, Light Recommend for Joe? Light Recommend, yeah. It's on demand right now, so you can check that out, and it's also playing in theaters. Uh, I saw Vera Savi, Ooh. directed by Jean-Luc Godard.
1: Oh, shit. Look at you. Oh, cultured and whatnot.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of Godard movies, and I, it's, I don't know what people think, but it, I don't want to come off as being that I don't like French new wave films. Cause I do. I just don't watch them on a regular basis. Yeah, I think people should, hopefully they at this point know that
1: I'm really into French new wave and it's sort of a running thing where you sort of tease me for it.
0: Yeah. But it's not that I don't like, you know, that time in cinematic history. I don't want lo- it's this, this movie was great. I love this movie. Uh, I thought it, there were, there were certain, aspects of it that i thought were a little strange that didn't seem to fit the uh the scene where she was writing the letter and it it just stuck with her writing the entire letter i was i was feeling very impatient during that i was just like hurry up you can't write faster like are you serious we can't get this letter done and it just stuck with it the whole time and uh, also the guy doing the impression of the boy with the balloon. I don't know if you see, remember that. No, see, this is one of those movies where I really don't
1: remember anything. I remember the, the sort of uh, the billiards room That's scene. That's where it happened. That okay. scene is, and then is the, where the, like the, the man doing... yeah I remember the very end.
0: So that, that bothered me, the man doing the impression of the child with a balloon. I just thought it was kind of dumb and it just it lingered on that for too long and the end I felt was I was not very impressed with the end because I didn't understand why they (laughs) they shot her (laughs) like why would they shoot her it didn't make sense to me because they were trying to do like a trade-off and he was trying to sell her to that other guy and then like shit hit the fan the one dude shoots her and then the other guy shoots her yeah (laughs) like (laughs) And it, and the first guy looked like he did it by accident. It looked like he was trying to shoot the uh, the guy, but the second guy deliberately shoots her. And I'm like, okay, that's right. And that was like that was like her guy. I just didn't understand why that. he well, went it. down. It it was it seemed hey, unbelievable. To well, me. you gotta
1: remember she's a prostitute. They don't really give a shit about her.
0: Yeah, but it's it's still just the the way that that was framed. It just felt weird, but. Other than that, which, those those are just nitpicks more than anything. I thought that it looked great. Uh, Anna Corinna was amazing in it. Uh, it was pretty good. I mean, the reason that I watched this, there was a reason behind it. I didn't just, like, randomly watch it. Uh, a film was submitted to us recently called She Lives Her Life, and it was heavily influenced by this movie. So I decided that I wanted to watch this movie to, to see... Where those influences were, since yeah. I've never saw it, and basically she lives her life is a remake of this movie, but yeah. done. It, it has a different plot, so the camera work is almost identical, like okay. almost shot for shot, but the dialogue is different and the just like the general plot, you know. Whereas this movie is about a woman who is who becomes a prostitute. Then she lives. Her life is about a woman who is a landlord and owns a pawn shop. Okay. And a lot of the (laughs) scenes are exactly the same. I mean, camera movements, uh, different, like there, there's several times in the Godard movie where they break the, the fourth wall and she looks directly into the camera Mm -hmm. and they do that in this movie, the letter writing, which I will say in the, in, the, in the new one. Do they speed it up in the new one for you? It's yeah, it's not nearly as long. <laughs> uh, the billiard room scene, like all that stuff, it's the exact same, but it's a contemporary setting and the plot's different. But it's really interesting how how they did it with with the new one because it's essentially still the life story of a female protagonist, but. It's told in a different way.
1: Yeah.
0: Hmm. So it was. It was pretty interesting. It was. I looked at it as more of an experiment than anything. Yeah. I think that it's a tough movie to make because fans of Godard will see. Yeah, they're not going to be on board with that. Yeah, they're going <laughs> to see it and they're going to be like, no, you know, no. Cause no. It's a very. It's Stop a micro it. it. It's a micro budget film too, so the acting's not great. And the sound editing is not great. The music is not... The music is horrible. Mm-hmm. But the thing that is kind of its saving grace is the cinematography, yeah. which is really good.
1: But, and also, you got to keep in mind that's how the French New Wave worked. Because they were all very low-budget films by people that were never right. filmmakers. They just sort of revolutionized the way indie filmmakers
0: would make movies. Did you see Godard has a new movie that's premiering at Cannes? I did, I did see that. I did. You excited for that?
1: Uh, no, no, I'm not as excited about his later work. He's he's gotten a bit too much in the past couple of years.
0: Well, either way, I do recommend checking out Viva Savi. I, pronouncing that? No,
1: we never do that.
0: I have to. I I want to rewatch that now. I must say. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Maybe I'll maybe I'll check out. What was the 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 title of the other one? She lives her life. She lives it's, her life. Okay. I don't think it's out yet, <clears> but <throat> should be coming out sometime soon. Well, I watched uh, Captain, Phillips. Yo, Captain Phillips. Oh, Ca- Captain Phillips. Oh, Captain Phillips. Captain Phillips over here,
1: Paul Greengrass, who I've never seen a Paul Greengrass film, and I don't like him, even though I I, I just said that I haven't seen or have I? You've you you have what what have I what have
0: I seen? You watched guys? the Bourne movies. Didn't did he, you? did he do the first one? Uh, I think he did. Oh no, I'm sorry, he didn't. He yeah. did uh, Ultimatum and Supremacy. Yeah, that's
1: right. I only saw the first one. I haven't seen the the subsequent ones yet.
0: Yeah, I mean, this guy just doesn't make anything that I'm into.
1: Green Zone, United ninety three.
0: I didn't see United ninety three. I did see Green Zone and didn't like it. <laughs> and I mean,
1: I. We talked about Captain Phillips a couple of times, I think. Where yeah, I just you weren't in, no, you weren't I, into it. I was not into it at all. This was uh, this was uh, a wife pick. She picked the old Captain Phillips, and I thought, ah, eh, why not? You know, something light, Hollywood <laughs> something style. <laughs> light. <laughs> I just to me to me Hollywood films are light. It doesn't oh, yeah. take any doesn't take any thought on my end. You know, I just sit down, turn the brain off, and just be entertained. You know what Fitch. I mean? Just yeah, veg. just veg out. You just veg out, man. And I mean, you know, number one, it's Pulp Green Grass. I'm, I'm not into it at all. Uh, it's a Hollywood, Hollywoodized account of the 2009 Somali pirate hijacking. I'm not a big fan of Hollywood films. You know that as well as anyone. So I, my expectations were low. I mean, really low. And I got to say that I was extremely surprised at, by how much I liked this film. It was stumbled out of the gate a little bit with the whole ride to the to the airport. Where I mean the
0: Mm -hmm. the dialogue the
1: dialogue in that sequence is just so terrible.
0: Yeah, and how they showed him checking all the safety things beforehand, and I mean it felt like the end of Lincoln.
1: You know, where, like, Lincoln's going off to the play and everyone's already acting like he's (laughs) been assassinated? Like, that's what I thought with the beginning of this film. Like, it feels like he's already been hijacked. Like, he just, he knows. Everybody knows. Yeah, it's 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 sort of ridiculous. But once they get past that part, everything's great. I mean, just the the pacing of the whole thing, uh, the way everything plays out, the cinematography I thought was pretty good for, you know... There's not a, 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 a there's not that much action in this film, but I think the cinematography sort of added to it sort of upped the tension mm-hmm. and the excitement of what was going on, even though it's mostly just you know people standing around threatening each other and posturing really and uh I have to say I was really
0: surprised that the the performance Tom Hanks gives you know yeah, I, I mean every, every, it's funny because everybody talks about that last scene that that last five minutes and it's like I'm uh, I'm almost sick of people talking about it but at the same time it's amazing he does yeah <laughs> it's he kills so it. amazing he absolutely
1: kills it and my favorite part of that um pretty much like right before they execute you know the plan and he's tied up and everything and then everything from that point on the thing that really struck me is that greengrass Showed enough restraint to not use melodramatic music during that sequence, which is one, right. of the, one of the main things that I hate about Hollywood movies. They always try and they always put in that emotionally manipulative score in there, which just irritates the shit out of me. But here in this sequence, they just it keeps they just keep it silent, so you can't. And this is something that I don't understand with filmmakers: is they think that you know the emotional string-heavy score like. I don't know. They, like they think they that it amplifies the emotion, but it actually drowns it out. And here, when you keep it silent, like you can't escape it. It's there. Right. The emotion's there. You can't get away. And it's just done so perfectly.
0: I think that in, in some cases, you know, a, a score does heighten the emotional level of a scene. But in in other cases, like in this, having it be silent does exactly what you just said. Where it. It's more effective. Yeah,
1: much more. And then the Burkhard Opti I figured, you know, is one of those, another one of those roles where they're like, okay, we get an outsider that plays a very niche role, does a pretty good job at it, we'll throw him a nomination, and then we will never give him another job ever again, which is something that seems to be done a lot recently in the past couple of years with these Oscar nominated films. Where they get a guy that just perfectly fits into what they want, and then they just sort of wash their hands of him. But man, did he show an immense amount of nuance in his performance, especially at, towards the end when he starts getting affected by being in the lifeboat and mm-hmm. his cut up hand and just him being like a broken down man, but he still keeps going. And just, <clears throat> I thought he did a fantastic job. And like towards the end, I started to feel bad for the Somali Pirates cuz mm-hmm. they they were just so naive they just they didn't see what was going to happen and you know and Capt is Capt Phillips knows what's going on he knows, he knows. that they're going to kill these guys and if he survives cool if he doesn't who cares that's sort of the way that the US military is looking at this cuz they have to make a statement they don't really they want to save Capt Phillips but if he doesn't eh, they're willing to take that risk and also, these small also, pirates are like, oh, we have you. There's nothing they can do to us. And he's like, yeah, I don't mean anything to them.
0: Yeah, and, and but I think that this also is a, a good example of a movie that is, I don't want to say pro-military, but that just that scene was so badass, you know? And, oh, but it's so I, impressive. I, I, didn't, I didn't feel that it was done in any kind of like pandering way way or anything like active valor or uh was the one the the peter berg one that just came out lone survivor oh yeah like i didn't i didn't feel it was like a recruitment tool or something like no. that just the way it was almost like uh it was kind of like how i felt about zero dark 30 where it was no it was kind of done in a very uh it's uh, it's um, the way it's the way that the military should be
1: shown in, right in my view is they came in no talking, no nothing. Just came in, did their job, left. That's it. And it was awesome. Yeah. That's it. They just impressed you with what they did. Flawless execution, and then just walked off like it was a day at the office.
0: Yeah. And that was the thing how, after they did what they did, they just immediately packed up and walked away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that was it. Yeah. Uh, I just, I love that they, sh- that, that that's what they showed afterwards. Like those.
1: It's just, it's great. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not like a big military guy or pro-America guy, but I, you can't deny it. It's fucking impressive as hell, just the of way course. that they set
0: that up. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, Captain Phillips, check that out. Is that uh, on Netflix That is. Point? That is on Netflix. Yeah. So, definitely check that out if you haven't yet. I saw Wolf Creek 2. Ooh. Now, see, I was a big fan of the first Wolf Creek. I... Saw it, I guess, when did the first one come out? Like 2000... It was a while ago. 2005. So, I was pretty excited about the sequel. It's directed by the same guy, Greg McLean. And I knew that from from seeing the trailer, reading the synopsis, that it was kind of focusing on Mick Taylor, the guy who is the killer in Wolf in the first Wolf Creek. So, I was kind of excited about that but in the end it's just not that good it goes to some interesting places because the first one is just a straight up horror movie it tells it's inspired by true events of these people that i don't know if they went missing at wolf creek or if they were murdered i think they were missing and it's a straight up horror movie the first one it's like a typical slasher movie, but it's very well done. And that's kind of what this what Greg McLean does. He takes conventional horror genres and kind of does them in a really uh interesting and unique way. That's what he did with Rogue. Rogue was like it's about a killer crocodile and it sounds ridiculous. And when you look at the cover, it looks like it's a sci fi movie cover, but it was really good. And it had this mm. kind of humor to it that was that made it interesting and worth checking out with wolf creek 2 it's a much more satirical approach to it it's there's a lot of goofy kind of goofball comedy in it and it's sort of poking fun at the whole slasher genre but at the same time it just falls into the same conventions So at the end of the day, it's really nothing more than a slasher movie, but there's nothing scary about it because we're spending the whole time with the killer. Yeah. That being said, the character of Mick Taylor, who I, I look at him like a, an Australian Freddy Krueger where he's got like all these funny one liners and quips and he's kind of a charismatic guy, Yeah, but he, but he's so sadistic and evil, but he's fun to watch on screen. Um, there's nothing scary about it, though. Mm. And I don't know if it's supposed to be scary. I mean, it's uh, very gory and violent, like, viciously violent. I mean, some of the things that happen in this movie are just very, very bad. And uh, <laughs> so fans of gore, you, they'll have a lot to like in this. One of my favorite scenes is it, it's a car chase. And there's, there's a lot more action in this one, too. There's, like, some big car chases and some big explosions that occur. There's a car chase where there's a guy in a jeep who is being chased by Mick Taylor who's driving an 18 wheeler and a kangaroo stampede breaks out. Ooh. And all of a sudden and it and it plays the uh that the Lion Sleeps Tonight song.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: <laughs> and while that song's playing Mick Taylor is just plowing through like hundreds of kangaroos (laughs) as they cross the road and they're getting like caught up in the tires and flipping up onto the windshield and there's just blood everywhere and it's, it's ridiculous. (laughs) It is completely ridiculous. And then the guy thinks that he's escaped. He, he flips off of a cliff and he survives and he's like, he gets out of his Jeep, which is destroyed and he thinks that he got away, and all of a sudden, he looks up over the cliff, and the 18-wheeler is flying off the cliff down onto it. Oh my god. Yeah, he he drives an 18-wheeler onto this guy. So he uses an 18-wheeler as, like, a weapon. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm as a
1: projectile. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so there are some fun moments, oh but goodness. overall... I could I could probably only recommend this if you were a big fan of the first one. If you like the first one a lot, this is worth checking out just to have more of this crazy Mick Taylor fella. <laughs> but other than that, it's pretty mediocre. Like it's <laughs> a pretty generic slasher movie. Except for the mowing down kangaroos. Except for those yeah. <laughs> but and that's the thing, like you you see a scene like that that is completely over the top and ridiculous, but there's really not any other scenes similar to that for the rest of the movie. So it's like it takes these like tonal shifts, and you're just like, okay, is it wait, is this supposed to be goofy or is it supposed to be serious now? Yeah, and it's just uh, that that's one thing I had a problem with because if it's supposed to be over the top and ridiculous, then be over the top and ridiculous. You know, like one of the scenes. Shortly after that, the the kid gets away and he ends up taking refuge in this old couple's home. And Mick Taylor finds him and just like brutally slaughters this old couple. And you're like, wait a minute, this isn't funny or goofy anymore. It's just <laughs> horrible. Uh, make,
1: you, make, you rethink, make you rethink what you're enjoying.
0: Yeah, yeah. So at any rate... And I love how they still tack on the inspired by true events, even on the sequel. It's still completely
1: based on true events. (laughs) There is nothing about this that's true at all. (laughs) Yeah, it is unfortunate how that, like you can't trust that at all anymore.
0: Like You can throw that on anything. Yeah, absolutely. So, very light recommend. That's on Video On Demand right now. Uh, i watched a movie. I
1: think it's based on true events. The Raid 2. Is that oh, on... you
0: saw The Raid 2. I did see The
1: Raid 2. My uh, my double migraine experience has abated. So I was able to make it out and see The Raid 2. Which, first off, two things that really don't have anything to do with the movie. First one, the people that I saw it with was awesome. The crowd was just bizarre. First off, it was just me, my wife, and there was one other couple there that had to be like 60, 70 years old. Yeah. So that was awesome. And then some young kids came in, and then this like 50-year-old couple came in, which I will get to them now, is this is the first time I ever had this happen, someone answering their phone during a movie. Ugh. I've never had that happen before. And what made this even better was, is there was actually an usher, you know, doing his, doing his pass-through, walk-through type deal with this little flashlight cone thingy that he has. He did like three or four pass-throughs, and the last one that he did... The guy's phone was ringing when he was doing his pass through. So I'm thinking, "Oh, here we go. He's going to handle this." He just walked right back out of the theater. Oh my god. And I'm like, "What the fuck is the point of you at all? I don't I don't understand it. There's no point for you to exist in this arena." So the guy answers his phone and it's just like, "Hello?" <laughs> Clear as day, you can hear him. And then he's just like, "Hey, can I call you back?" And I'm just like, "But why?" Why why even answer the phone? Why answer the phone just to say I can't talk? Yeah, it's I just I don't get it. And I've noticing recently all the times that this happens, all these terrible experiences that I have at the movie theater with just terrible audience members, they're always like forty to fifty years old. Yeah. And then I always try and get I you know they always try and pass off that bullshit that like young kids, you know, 20-year-olds and teenagers, they're the ones that are disrespectful and just don't care about anything and have no manners and that's simply not true because i've never had once had a bad time at a movie theater with you know teenagers or young adults i never run into that problem
0: yeah for the most part the anytime i have an issue it's with an older couple as well uh when i went to see oculus i had a similar experience with an older it was uh, two two older women that were sitting behind us and they were just awful
1: just awful, awful people. I can't, I can't take it anymore. It's getting
0: to me. But back to the raid
1: two. Um, yes, please and more, <laughs> just more and more. And you know, like I've never understood, um, you know, preteen teenage girls losing their shit over like One Direction. I've never understood that until now. Because that's yeah, how no, I. That's, understand. It. That's how I feel with every fight scene in the raid two because it was just it was ridiculous it's just like okay uh let's do a fight scene in a bathroom stall and i'm like sure let's do it and then the next one's and i love how they they set it up you know when the fight scene is culminating because they they always do they go into the slow mo and they do the whole intro and you know the rain's coming down there's mud everywhere on the second fight scene i'm just like yes in a mud field i like i like this all right Mm -hmm. let's do it and then just every single one is just done to perfection. The only thing that I didn't enjoy, and minor quibbles, because to me it's it, it's a perfect action movie. It's I've never seen an action movie like this. And it just sets the bar way, way, way too high. And I don't think yeah. it's ever going to be surpassed. Yeah, It's, yeah. it's not going to happen. I'm I sorry. think the
0: only person that can surpass this is, is Gareth, Gareth Evans. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's the only
1: person that could do it. Um CGI blood just that was tough. That was tough to get past.
0: I wasn't bothered by that because they mixed they didn't just use CGI blood. I know. Blood. They, but that,
1: they, that, that sort of bothered me even more because I could tell when it was and when it wasn't. It's just but again, it it's a minor quibble. It's minor. Well, quibble.
0: I had I mean, yeah, we we talked about it the other week when we reviewed it on the show and and I wrote a review, but I have minor quibbles with it too. I'm not saying that it's I mean, I don't think any movie is a perfect movie, but No as far as action like if you if you boil it down by genre it is a perfect action Mm -hmm. like to me i said it before it's right up there with like terminator 2 and die hard it's
1: better than those movies i I think that
0: it's in my
1: my estimation it's better than those movies or in my opinion
0: i mean i've i've never
1: been so tense now there was fight scenes before i mean i could feel myself just like tensing up into a ball because i'm just like "Oh oh my god oh my god oh my god this is amazing
0: yeah, what did you think of the car the car chase? Jesus Christ,
1: are you kidding me? That's that's what I mean, like they're just trying to top the last thing that you just saw. Like they're mm-hmm. in, they're doing the car scene or you know, the car chase and everything. And I'm like, "Oh my god, they're going to fight in the speeding car in the back seat." And then they do. And it's amazing.
0: I love all of it's amazing. This is all stuff I've said before and I apologize, but I can't <laughs> say enough about this movie. I love the camera work in this movie so much. I think that Gareth Evans has, I I think that the camera work is what really makes these movies so fun to watch. And that's, that's, I'm glad that you say that because this is a big point for me
1: is yes. Like in this instance, the raid two is there's more of a story here. There's more of a narrative and it's not just nonstop action from start to finish. Like the first one was, you know, So this one, you have a lot of those transitional non-fight scenes that are trying to, you know, push the narrative along. This sort of, you know, underworld crime story that they got going on with corrupt policemen, politicians and everything. So you have all these sequences, which in normal action movies, they're just shot, bland, boring. Right. Just, just, oh, let's just bang it out real quick and then we get to the next set piece. Mm -hmm. But in this sequence you know, in this film, the way that they shoot those scenes are interesting enough to hold your attention until the next fight scene. Like, the way the movie opens up over the the green fields, Mm -hmm. just, like, rustling in the wind and everything, and all the actions taking place down in that small left-hand corner, I mean, it's just interesting framing choices like that. And, like, when he gets released from prison, and it's the overhead shot, Mm -hmm. and they put the font up at the top two years later, and then... uh, uko's characters like walks through the the actual wording i mean stuff like that just a little
0: yeah it's it's little things like that like when he's talking on the cell phone with the music playing mm-hmm. and he puts his finger in his ear and it mutes yeah the the music and um I, I said this before like the one scene when it was like the big fight scene with hammer girl and bat boy and the guy with the blades the slow zooming in on the the one blade of grass and then finally like the blood sprays on it and you're just like uh-oh and yeah, then, and yeah. then the big then the big action starts and the uh i think one of my favorite shots and again i apologize i said this before is during the car chase when the camera goes from inside one car out of that car into another car and then out of that car yeah this is just
1: the camera and
0: is- you should uh if you haven't checked out the making of you should Watch it. It's on Vimeo. Oh, okay. It's like uh, there's two parts. It's like 20, maybe 25 minutes long. It's awesome. The, to see how they did it. The only, the only
1: thing that I have that's maybe a little bit more of a minor quibble is the baseball bat boy. I thought his character was just fucking stupid. <laughs> I thought it was the dumbest thing I've seen well, in quite some time. Just him hitting baseballs at people and. Uh, that that could I thought hurt. it was cool looking.
0: I mean, the, those two characters, Hammer Girl and the Baseball Bat Boy, are, are silly. I mean, they're they they're are silly. They're cartoons. Hammer
1: Hammer, hammer Girl is a little bit better because they're hammers, and that's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it's completely undoable because those hammer claws would have to be insanely sharp. Well, maybe they were. Maybe. they might be special. They might be s- special special hammer claws. But man, that the end fight scene in the The Kitchen is just, holy shit. It's brilliant.
0: It's a brilliant film.
1: Oh, my God. I wanted to just start
0: it over again. Like, as soon as it was done, I was just like, pop it back in, let's do it. I know. I can't wait till it comes out on Blu-ray and I can watch all the special features and stuff. And The, The only thing that I do find odd, I didn't get to read through a lot of reviews,
1: but I read through a couple where there were some people that thought it was terrible. They gave it, you know, like one star, half star. Two star type deal, and they're like, "Oh, the the story's
0: shit." I are mean, well, really? I, I disagree with are, that.
1: You're here for the story,
0: really? Well, even if even if I mean, first of all, you have a point. You shouldn't be there for the story. You should you should ju- judge it on its action merits because that's what it is. It's an action movie. But I I would argue that the story is quite good. Like yeah, I mean, the story. I, to I remember me, the
1: story's not bad. It's serviceable enough to. But you also got to think. These types of martial arts movies where a guy's fighting like 50 people and all these big action set pieces with martial arts fighting, what storyline would make sense for that? I mean, there's really nothing. You have two options. You have the underground, you know, criminal world where, and then they all play out the same. It's always, there's a guy at the top and one of the guys at the lower ends of the spectrum wants to be at the top. So he double crosses. That's all you usually ever see. Or it's like... Uh, like a tournament, which no one wants to see that. It mm. wants to be like, Oh, a slap tournament. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what do you expect? What kind of story could they bring to this? Where you'd be like, damn, that's good. That's really good.
0: Well, I thought that, uh, I thought that the story was quite good. I mean, I, one of the first reviews that came out out of Sundance, I can't remember who wrote it, but he compared it to the Godfather Two. And then from there, that kind of snowballed. And then everybody was kind of comparing it to the Godfather Two. And I, I mean I can see that with this movie. I think that it's a, it's a huge this, the scope of the story in this movie's very big. I mean you have all these dueling families and factions and I think that that was the big surprise to me. Like I knew that the action would be good. What I didn't know is that it would be this kind of broad uh, crime movie. Yeah. It was actually good. Yeah, cuz I I have
1: to say I was a little worried going in. Because I knew talking to you a little bit, and from what I've seen, that there was more of a story to this one, and I thought, oh man, I have a feeling that he's gonna stumble with the the storytelling aspect of this. But I th- I thought he handled it quite well.
0: Yeah, yeah. There you have it. I think the raid two is still playing in theaters if you're lucky. So go go see that if you haven't. Uh, I saw a movie called The Final Member. <laughs> Which is a documentary about a guy who has a penis museum in Iceland, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's about his quest to find a human specimen to complete his collection. Now, what, what, what's going to complete
1: the penis collection? Like, what's the... What's, a human penis. Oh, that's it? That's
0: always good? It's not like a special penis or anything? No, nope. It's just a human penis? So basically, it's really difficult to get a human penis, I guess. <laughs> Like he's apparently he's been trying for years and years and years. He's had he's been working on this penis collection for like forty years.
1: So what 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 are the other penises
0: in the collection? Oh he's got everything. Are they Whale just pe- are they just dildos? No, they're animal penises. Oh okay. Oh okay, okay. <laughs> <Dildos>. <laughs> That's why I'm like, <laughs> it's um, like a bizarre collection. Okay, no, so he has he
1: has animal penises.
0: Yeah, so it's he collects Penises of mammals. So, like, hamsters. I think the hamster, he said, was, like, the smallest one he had that was, like, two millimeters. And then the biggest one he had was a sperm whale that was, like, huge. It was, like, 400 pounds. And he has just all all manner of penises. (laughs) Except he doesn't have a human penis because apparently it's really difficult to get a human penis because you have to... I would hope so. Yeah, it's like you have to find somebody that's willing to donate it and sign off on it, and then that person has to die. And (laughs) they have to. Apparently, they have to cut the penis off, like, pretty quickly in order to preserve it, or else it, like, shrivels away, because. I don't know, because of the blood and stuff. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, So, anyway, he finds two people that are willing to donate their penises, and it it almost turns into, like, a competition to see who can get their penis in first. Like, the, the first guy is apparently this really famous man in Iceland, and he's 93, I think, when the movie starts, and he agrees to donate it when he dies. The other guy is an American who's in his 70s, and he wants to have his penis and balls <laughs> surgically removed. Oh, he's so he's not going to wait. No, he's not going to wait because he decides that he wants to actually go to the museum and admire his his penis on display. Okay. All right. Yeah. All yeah. right. So, yeah. So, he explores having his genitals surgically removed. And the thing about this movie is it sounds so stupid bizarre and ridiculous and it is but at the same time the the main guy that owns this museum is such a such a lovable guy like he's just so nice and and it's like when when he talks it's like yeah that's not weird <laughs> it's like you just totally you can just accept it totally you can normal. just accept it why not and it turns into this really kind of touching story about this man who's been dedicating his whole life to this museum and he's getting old and he's having some health problems and he's not sure if he's ever going to be able to get this human specimen. And oh. it's, it's, uh, it's a really heartwarming film. Wow. Surprisingly. So, I mean, it's not, it,
1: in all honesty, it sounds less weird than Bronies. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, just yeah. Being honest, it sounds a lot more. Normal. Well, this
0: is uh, this is a much higher quality documentary than Bronies. Well, I mean, um, as like
1: as like uh, a hobby goes,
0: right? Yeah, but the the film itself looks amazing. Uh, all of the different shots and things are very meticulously done. The music is great. It's it's really really well made documentary very very well made and you know it takes place in iceland so you got plenty of beautiful landscapes to film aside uh the penises (laughs) alongside the penises because the penises are pretty gross but oh wow you know they'll, they'll show a scene of him like preparing one of his specimens and it's like the most disgusting thing ever and then then Just, they'll cut to a scene of him taking a walk outside. The beauty. It's like the most, it's like the most breathtaking scenery.
1: The beauty and serenity of Iceland.
0: Yeah. But um, I mean, I, I definitely, uh, definitely, definitely recommend it. Oh, uh, it's quite good. It's quite good. Who knew? Uh, Drafthouse Films is putting this out and it sounds about right. Yeah. And, uh, it's on demand right now. I, I believe Alright, well let's go ahead and jump into our first review. We're talking about Broken Hill Blues. This is directed written and directed by Sophia Norlin. This is a Swedish film. And the synopsis says in a small mining community in northern Sweden, a group of youngsters about to take a leap take the leap in the adult age, fight with themselves and the world around while the ground literally trembles under their feet. Literally. So Kevin, what did you think of Broken Hill Blues? We can sort of uh, go the same route as
1: what you were just saying with the the what was that the final member? That uh, Sweden take it, is beautiful. Yeah, Sweden. Sweden is beautiful, especially around that area. Just a lot of the the nature scenes that they did, especially at like the end of the movie. You know, where the, yeah. the one character uh, Daniel, mm-hmm. is sort of yeah. traversing through the the woodlands and the mountains. It just looks unbelievable. Uh, outside of that, that's about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just, I mean, uh, I, I was uh, after I watched it, I was like thinking to myself, okay, what am I gonna say about this movie? All right, uh, well, it looked great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, that's that's about
1: it. So like, I, I mean, it's it's slightly interesting in the sense that it takes place in a mining town. You know, the they weren't kidding when they're saying that it literally trembles underneath their feet. That's because of right, the right. mining that they're doing. Because what, what was it, like an iron mine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, iron ore mine. So the uh, all the mining that they've done has sort of destroyed the town in a sense that it's sort of crumbling apart and they yeah. actually have to move the town because they came up with this genius idea to build the town on top of the mine, which doesn't make any sense. But for whatever reason, a lot of places did that. So, and then you also have these kids that are growing up. It takes what? It's like four or five teenage mm-hmm. characters and it follows them and, you know, trying to make their transition into adulthood and, It's slightly interesting considering the fact that, you know, what do you do when the only source of employment really is the mine? Right. I mean, there's really nothing else because all those jobs are taken. I mean, you pretty much have to wait for someone to die, move out, or get fired in order to get a different job besides the mine. And, but, you know, it's one of those things that, unfortunately, we've seen this done before. Maybe not necessarily in this setting, you know, Swedish mining town, but this type of movie—the whole coming of age where yeah, your options, really, your options are really slim.
0: Really, the like you said, the the whole premise where the the mine is is causing the town to basically sink into the into the earth, and that's a cool premise. But I felt like, what if they took that out? What if that wasn't a part of the movie? does, does it have any effect on what these characters were doing because it didn't really seem like it to me like I didn't see the connection between the what was happening with the mine and these kids. like you could put these kids into any other town in any other place, and I'd feel like it wouldn't be that different, yeah. you know yeah I would I just pr- I, I would f-
1: pretty much agree with you, yes, it doesn't
0: really have other that than strong a f- of an
1: impact on.
0: Other than, of course, the, like, the direct, you know, like, the one kid working at the at the mine or whatever, like, other than that. Yeah. That's about it. It's... Uh, I felt like the, the plot was just kind of meandering. I didn't mm-hmm. feel like I ever really got to know any of these characters at all. I didn't feel any kind of connection. I didn't really understand. Like, the one Daniel kid that we mentioned, he didn't really get what he was all about. Yeah, I have no idea really what he was doing. He's... He he's obviously like has, dick. yeah.
1: He obviously has some problems with his dad. Like I, I get that. You know, his dad's a heavy drinker, sort of not really doing anything. So I like can understand resentment and sort of general anger towards your father. I guess that pushes him into that weird gang that he's a part of, which I don't even know what they do. They just like break into people's yeah, houses when they, they answer the around. door. <laughs> <laughs> you got you know that Swedish guy doing his the white man tai chi whatever the hell that was yeah that was weird (laughs) and then daniel just packs up his shotgun and goes out into the woods and then shoots a reindeer immediately immediately regrets it
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) tries to save the reindeer which that'd be me i would i would shoot an animal and then immediately (laughs) regret it and try to save it (laughs) which the
1: only thing that i can say here again immediately so i don't know much about swedish history culture you know the northern parts of you know sweden and norway and all that and i guess that plays into these Sami people who are like the indigenous Mm -hmm. tribe that play out there so i I think there's some things that are lost through there because there was only one connection that i sort of pieced together and I don't know if maybe having some more background would help me with this but when they were at the museum and they're sort of talking about how the guy had in his stomach like a couple of berries and such and he fell into the bog and that's where he died and that seems to be what sort of happens to Daniel
0: Right. but he's, yeah, he he's saved berries.
1: but he's saved by the little kids like mm-hmm. the four little kids drag him out of there but I, I mean that just didn't seem that much either <laughs> to be yeah, quite least... honest.
0: There's just not a lot to hold on to with this, no. with this movie. There's not a lot to talk about. The, the plot it doesn't really exist. It just kind of meanders through the lives of these people. And sometimes that's okay. you know. Yeah. Some, sometimes just uh, kind of a slice of life type thing is, is fine. But I just didn't find any of these people that interesting. No, like, there, they, wasn't, they, there, wasn't, uh, there wasn't much personality coming out on yeah the screen. i mean like some of some of them barely even talked at all yeah <laughs> it was just so i wasn't yeah i just wasn't thrilled about the one the one scene that i did like it was just a little thing was when they had the camera on the back of the reindeer when they were showing them like herding the reindeer
1: yeah that was i
0: don't know why but i just liked that sequence mm. well that's another thing that
1: you know just doing small bit of research before we recorded here about the Sami people. And apparently that's one of their big things is they're reindeer herders. And they're really like the only ones that are allowed to sort of my understanding was that they're the only ones that are allowed to hoard reindeers or herd them. So I don't know if know that, if that uh, would, if, you know what that that played in with Daniel shooting a reindeer and then immediately trying to save them and then, you know, all that stuff. But it does have that sort of um,
0: like that scene there's a lot of scenes where it just it feels like a documentary. Yeah, like and, the the scenes in the mine when they showed the footage from inside the mine, mm-hmm. and that it's, looked they're just I like know. weaving the two, mm-hmm. the
1: documentary well, and the the fictional part of the narrative.
0: Yeah, like I'm sure that the the footage from inside the mine, you could tell that that was like that wasn't for the movie. Yeah. That was like real footage.
1: But yeah, like you said, because as soon as I was finished with it, I was just like what do you what, what do you talk about
0: yeah there's just not a lot to talk about with this movie because the characters were pretty boring the story doesn't really go anywhere there's it just kind of ends it just it begins and it ends yeah and uh, there's just not a lot there it's it's unfortunate I mean it does look great yeah so that was the only
1: thing I mean even up until the part where Daniel goes out on his little expedition. Up until that point, I didn't even think it looked that good. Like, the only shots that would really impressed me were, like, the, the far-away, up-high shots of the town. I was like, oh, that's that's an impressive shot. But everything else was just, you know, sort of boring. I've seen that before. And then finally, when Daniel gets out there, it's like, okay, the, yeah, this looks good. I like this. Well,
0: it's interesting, because it's almost as if the movie completely changes when that happens. Yeah. there's, like, far more, like, of the, you know, like we talked about Joe the just the close up nature shots and stuff as soon as he leaves. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's almost as if they decided to just switch up how they were filming.
1: Yeah, it seems like there's something here, but
0: the way it was presented
1: wasn't interesting enough to make me really dig into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, like I just I don't feel like spending the time cuz I just I wasn't impressed. I wasn't I interested. Like, it wasn't compelling.
0: Right. And I I like Usually, I like movies that take place in broken down mining towns again, going back to <laughs> that's your thing. Uh, that's my thing. I mean, I, I the whole time I was thinking about Centralia, Pennsylvania, you know, the Silent Hill town where, yeah, it was a, a fire that started in that town, but it was a similar situation where the the mine was underneath the town. It caught fire. It's still burning to this day and I, I went to visit it and it was crazy. But so immediately I was thinking like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna like this movie. Mining town, I'm all about it. Yeah. But yeah. there yeah. just wasn't a lot there for me. Yeah. Felt very indie. Oh yeah. A lot of back of the head tracking shots. Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: Got a lot of that going on. Like you said, there's just not much to talk about. And that's not good. That's it's, to me, it's almost so, worse than yeah. saying negative things about yeah. it. Yeah, that's that's almost a film really having no effect on you. Right, yeah. Except that I'm like, wow. oh, Sweden's beautiful too. Yeah, this is great.
0: <laughs> it's great. It's all I got, really? Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. So I don't know if... Uh, so this just played Tribeca this, this week, earlier this week. Uh, I don't know as far as distribution yet so keep an eye out. Yeah. But just don't expect a lot out of this. Ultimately pretty forgettable. Mhm. Definitely. Like I forgot I forgot large chunks of this movie already. I did. I, <laughs> and I just watched it last night. Yeah. I
1: I did as well and I just watched it literally like maybe 4 hours ago. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, not a lasting impact.
0: Well, uh, let's segue that into one that, at least for me, did have a lasting impact. And that's Zach Parker's new film, Proxy, which is uh, playing in limited release and video on demand. I'm pretty sure it's on demand right now. Huh. Uh, either way, I have a summary for that. While walking home from her latest OB appointment, a very pregnant Esther Woodhouse is brutally attacked and disfigured by a hooded assailant. This horrible event seems to be a blessing in disguise when Esther finds consolation in a support group. Her life of sadness and solitude is opened up to a friendship, understanding, and even acceptance. However, friendship and understanding can be very dangerous things when accepted by the wrong people. First of all, I just saw a trailer for this for the first time, and it's it's a fantastic trailer. Oh, yeah? I don't know if you've. I, I didn't you saw the trailer no, for this. I did not but, see the trailer for it. So I wrote. I, I wrote the review for the site on this. We'll start with you, Kevin. What did you think of Proxy? Oh, Proxy is, in one word, ambitious. I'd say <laughs> that it's definitely ambitious.
1: It, it tries to do a lot. I think, does it? I think some of it it does well. Others it sort of stumbles in other you know portions, uh, yep. other aspects Agreed. of it. Um, biggest glaring problem with the film unfortunately is Joe Swanberg should just <laughs> Joe Swanberg should not
0: uh, be acting seriously I don't think he's in any movie I'm sorry just he's a stop. good comedic actor mm-hmm. the good. thing about Swanberg is he was in he was really good in your next he played kind of a, a comedic character in your next he, he does he does a really good job in that small contained
1: cameo for you know where he just Brings a little comedy to it, a little bit of levity, Uh, in this setting as, like one of the emotional backbones of the story. No, it doesn't work.
0: Didn't work. Not at all. Yeah, I mean, for me, it that that was fine. I barely ever look at acting in a movie. Like I can so easily look past acting. I mean, it's got to be horrendous for me to uh really be affected by it. But I can see where you're coming from. That just that got me. And I think maybe it was amplified a little bit uh because it's Joe Swampert. Like if it was just right. some no name guy, I would just right, be like, exactly. oh I, you know. but since it's a name you know yeah. and if it's yeah. you know it's Joe Swampert, you're like, no, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> just stick to directing films. So this is directed by the the guy that did Scalene, which is another, I would say, pretty ambitious Film, Mm -hmm. yes, I really like what Zach Parker's doing. Like, I I feel like he's taking risks, I feel like he's kind of doing his own thing in the business. You know, he's making interesting stories. And the thing about this movie, you know, I read the synopsis, the synopsis is not at all really (laughs) what the movie is, no, in the slightest bit. And that's kind of the interesting thing about this movie is that. If you go into it cold, like I did, I knew nothing about this movie. You'll find yourself being like, what the hell is going on here? Because, you know, maybe at the midway point, maybe even before that, it takes this huge total shift. Yeah, it's pretty early. And you're just like, wait a minute. What? Wait, how long is this
1: movie? It kind of, yeah. Well, it's, he sort of goes the martyr's route where he sort of just throws you a huge curveball because you think one character is, and even that maybe is giving too much away. Yeah, yeah, you you can't give too much away. Yeah, because you think one person is the main character, and then next thing you know, you're just like, okay, well, where are we going from here? What's the story now?
0: Yeah, but the thing that I liked and found most intriguing about this movie is just how many twists and turns. Because you think it's going to go one way, and then all of a sudden you're just like, wait a minute, no, not, not going that way, okay, so... Maybe it's about this person, and then something else happens. You're like, you're just, holy shit, what is going on here? It's a crazy movie. It really is. See, it's a bit... Uh, the, the only other thing
1: is my first, I mean, just the first thought straight out the gate is as soon as the movie starts, I just go, oh my God, this is the fakest looking pregnant stomach I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I, like, I couldn't get past that. That was tough to get past. But luckily, that doesn't that doesn't last too long. <laughs> no, it doesn't last long. <laughs> um, the uh, I, it's it feels a lot like De Palma, a lot yeah, even I, even I can, like I can see that even the Absolutely. music like the music is mm-hmm. just it's too much at times. But I understand why why he's doing it that way. But it, it I hope from this point on that that sort of stops. Stop stop with the De Palma. Mm-hmm. Palma uh, love or homage you or can whatever you Scalene too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had a problem with it in Scalene too. Now the the differences between the two here is Scalene was like we said they're both ambitious. Scalene was a bit messy when it came to the narrative, but the narrative was more interesting. I thought I thought it was you know better story, more captivating. Here, everything's cleaned up. It's very mm-hmm. it's very polished. Meticulously crafted, the way it goes through, but it's a. To me, it was a less interesting story. Now that's
0: just from my opinion. Well, I think that maybe at least for me, part of that is with Scalene. You know what it's about. You know, you 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 don't know how they're going to get there. You don't know what the end result is going to be, but you know what what's happening. Like you you know where they're going with it. You don't know how they're going to get there. You don't know the you know, what exactly happened. But with proxy, it's like, they just continuously throw you curveballs, and you never know what's going on.
1: Partially. Now, unfortunately I did sort of, I could tell right away through the first scene. See, I, it's tough to talk about because you don't want to give it away.
0: Yeah. I mean, other than beyond the main character being attacked, like <laughs> there's really nothing else <laughs> you can say. <laughs> Cause like the, through the first scene, I knew
1: something was up there because I've never seen someone right. so disinterested well, yeah. in having a pregnancy.
0: They, Yeah.
1: And then the support group, I immediately knew something was up there because that just seemed off.
0: Yeah. the, the Well, that's the thing. He, the, There's clues. There's little clues planted in with how the characters act and things like that. But, you know, like the, the first scene when – she she's following her and she's missing her child at the store or whatever. That at that point, I was like, okay, wait a minute. There's something off here. Something's going on. And from that point, that's when it starts getting a little weird.
1: Getting a little weird. The, a better synopsis would be: two women are addicted to attention. Yeah. There you go. That's all you need to know. That seeing that right there ruined the movie. So ignore that. I didn't say that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it, no. I mean, I think that that doesn't give away anything, but people that have already seen the movie will be like, yep, that's it. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, overall loved it. Uh, well, no, I didn't love, love it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh, it's one of those turn it, movies that, turn it down. Pull back. Pull yeah, back. I, I get a little too excited. The, the thing about it is it's, it's a movie that I have, I'm several weeks removed from it now and I've grown more fond of it over that time. So, you know, it's a movie that i I sat with it for a while, and I certainly like it more than I did initially. That's not to say I didn't like it initially, but I like it more yeah now. i
1: think I think Zach Parker's getting there um oh yeah the the main thing that I still see as a problem is still that indie pacing, especially with like the dialogue between the characters. When it's just so slow moving.
0: It, yeah and it is, it, you know
1: people like wait entirely too long to respond to the other person it's just like speed it up a little bit come on come on there's no a, reason
0: this should be two hours let's go it is a pretty slow moving uh film it does pick up at certain points the the slow motion bathroom scene I thought it was incredible I, I, I loved that scene I
1: thought it was hilarious the the second time you know there's sort of the, the mm-hmm. visual marker that tells you that something has happened, and you're just like, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden just a huge thing of blood just right yeah. in someone's face and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I don't know if it would play out that way, but I see what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I I thought that that looked, looked great. I thought overall the movie looked quite good, too, visually. Yeah,
1: it was, I think the the look of it was a lot better than his last movie everything's everything's moving up a notch he's progressing yeah but i still yep. i just had too many problems with it i didn't, didn't uh, enjoy myself
0: too much i mean I'm not, i enjoyed I'm it i'm not gonna I, tear it apart but but like no, you I mean, said but like
1: you said he's taking risks so I, I i appreciate that
0: yeah i mean it's this is anything but a typical hollywood movie it's not a typical horror movie either i mean it's it's barely a horror movie. It's uh it's kind of a mashup. I mean, it's part thriller, part horror, part drama, you know? Yeah. With it's 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 very interesting. And I and I like the characters and how these various things affect the characters and where they go. And like you said, I, I like the concept of these two women uh feeling this insatiable hunger for attention. Yeah. I, I like that concept and I think that they handled the idea of obsession and attention getting, attention I, seeking, in interesting ways. I
1: especially like the way they handled it at the at the end,
0: mm-hmm. with the one where you think that you know you
1: sort of think the movie's over and that they're in the future, right, right. And then it cuts back, and you're like, oh shit, yeah, this is really messed up. Yep. And I I would say like we pointed out before the the De Palma influences are in there. And I will say, and I can say this, that he's definitely a lot better than De Palma. I'll give him that. Uh, he's doing. I think he's doing De Palma better than De Palma.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially well, definitely recent. <laughs> <laughs> even <laughs> recent some, De Palma. Even
1: some old De Palma. I mean, did have you seen Sisters? God, um, I don't that's think so. a fucking laugh riot.
0: Yeah. Well, either way, I'd say if you want to see a very interesting different suspense thriller i would sh- i would check out proxy if you if you have kids
1: and or like kids it's gonna be rough
0: oh let's just give you that
1: disclaimer oh my god it's gonna be that yeah
0: that is rough. that is something to mention it is uh it's a pretty rough movie it's, to get through yeah this is not kid friendly at all no it's <laughs> not i mean boy good yeah Lord. I mean, the poster kind of lets you know know. what you're in for.
1: I wasn't ready for the the thing that came later. Mm -hmm. I thought it, you know, it sort of stopped there. Like, okay, that was the rough part. I got through it. Yeah, there's more. Yeah, then when the other one's getting sort of set up, you're like, no, that's, no, they're not going
0: that way, are they? Oh, they go. And then, yeah, then you realize,
1: and you're like, oh, Jesus.
0: Yeah, so I would uh, I would check out Proxy. I don't even remember what I rated it. Uh, I think I gave it like a seven, seven or seven, seven and a half. Seven. Nine. I gave it a seven and a half. Seven and a half. Yeah,
1: that's I will I will say that's quite high.
0: Yeah, I mean I bumped it up. I think my initial review was a seven, and I ended up kicking it up a notch.
1: Ooh. Yeah. I give it
0: a, like a five. Go to five. Wow, five and a half. Miami like, low.
1: I might go five and a
0: half. Five and a half, still low. Still pretty low. Yeah, that's a that's a fifty-five percent. That's
1: a fifty-five percent. You are
0: correct. Wow. Yeah. What did what did you give Scalene?
1: What did I give Scalene? I think Scalene was
0: six. Six. Six and a half. I, if I remember correctly, because we reviewed it on the show. Yeah,
1: what? I I I, uh, Scalene was much better in my opinion. Hmm. I, I, yeah, and uh, another, another uh, big positive for scaling was the acting. I thought the acting was much better
0: than Proxy. Yeah, some of the acting, I can't mm-hmm. remember who. There were a few characters, like minor characters in this movie, that were awful. Mm-hmm. Like, just mm-hmm. awful. The The cop at the very beginning? That's who I was thinking <laughs> of. Which is funny, because the
1: cop at the very beginning is just, I mean, terrible. Just, I'm sorry, but... Just woeful. And then the person that follows him, the the social worker, she
0: nails it. Like she does yeah. it. I had
1: just I just thought that she was a social worker. Yeah,
0: she felt she sounded really natural. Yeah. yeah. It was just like, wow, that's a huge juxtaposition there between quality Yeah. and to have
1: it back to back amplified it, I think.
0: I'm I'm gonna recommend checking out Proxy just because I I think it looks great. I and I like I like the narrative i mean i just i like the twists and turns and i just well, i mean yeah. yeah i'm with you i to me it's still a uh, it's still a uh, a recommend
1: mostly because it's just it's different yeah i can't stress that so, enough when you do so many of these indie films that you go into these horror thriller type deals they just always end up boiling down to the same thing like they start off strong they have the atmosphere and everything you're like all right this is gonna be great but they usually just fall back into the same old, same old.
0: Yep, yep, I agree. Did
1: That does not happen here.
0: All right, let's talk about some predictions. Uh, so last week I kind of fucked up, and I did, I read off this week's movies. <laughs> so, uh,
1: I, love, I love when that happens.
0: Yeah, so, because I didn't write it down beforehand, that was the problem. And, uh. it like, it, on Rotten Tomatoes, I guess on Sundays it switches the, the listings to like what's coming up so i read those off anyway i do have some numbers here i'll just read them off we didn't predict them transcendence got a 20% ouch wow yeah i heard wow. i heard, I heard
1: that, I, a lot of bad things yeah
0: it bombed like it didn't make any money either so yikes heaven is for real 53% uh wow. haunted house 2 got a 7% <laughs> Oh. that i didn't even know about that didn't even know about that I, one <laughs> i did not know that that was happening uh disney's bears got an 89 percent
1: well because they're
0: bears yeah i mean it looks pretty good how do you gay. not like how do you not like bears exactly and fading gigolo which is the one with woody allen and um, john tuturo directed by john tuturo also that got a 58 mm. i wasn't interested in that one i
1: was slightly interested
0: just to recap, next week we have The Other Woman, and I said 35, you predicted 32 on that. And Brick Mansions, uh, I said 25, you said 37. Are you going to stick with those numbers?
1: I'm, I'm going to stick with them. Yeah,
0: I'm going to stick with mine too. Uh, next week on DVD and Blu-ray, whole lot of nothing. All right. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the list. Big Bad Wolves comes out, and the only other one that I want to mention is... William Friedkin's Sorcerer is coming out. They remastered it, nice. and that's going to be coming out on DVD and Blu-ray. Highly recommend sh- uh, picking that one up. I want to see that I've on been, Blu-ray. I'm excited.
1: I've been wanting to see that one for a while. I've been holding out until... Because I knew, talking with you, that they were restoring it. Yeah. So I've been waiting patiently.
0: I can't wait to see it. I, I'm a huge, huge fan of that movie. Uh, I nice. think that there's at least one criterion.
1: Well, we got two. Two.
0: We got uh, Don Siegel's
1: 1954 Riot in Cell Block 11. High Octane Maximum Security Penitentiary. Apparently there's Riot. And, of course, we have Carl Theodore Dreyer's 1925 Master of the
0: House. Of course. (laughs) Of course (laughs) we have that. Why wouldn't we have that? Exactly. So, yeah, kind of a sparse week. Yeah. I would recommend... checking out blue ruin on video on demand
1: yes i'm excited for that
0: uh well i think that that'll wrap it up for all the latest film news and reviews visit us at filmpulse.net send us your questions to podcast at filmpulse.net we'll be sure to answer them on the show follow us on twitter at filmpulse.net and be sure to rate us on itunes we appreciate that very much for filmpulse.net my name is adam
1: my name is kevin and i also want to point out that today is Crispin Glover's birthday <laughs>
0: Christopher Glover has turned 50 today Oh, wow Keep that in mind <laughs> Well, we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie Crispin Glover's birthday. Crispin Glover.
1: I wonder if someone's making him a sandwich
0: for his birthday. I would love to make Crispin Glover a nice <laughs> club club sandwich for his birthday. <laughs>